Welcome to A Different Way of Traveling. This is a podcast where we discuss travel for persons with disabilities and special needs in South Africa and beyond with our host, Lois Strachan. Join us as we share inspiring stories of people who travel, exciting accessible travel experiences, and showcase service providers who will accommodate those with special needs. And now, on with the show. everyone and welcome to today's episode of A Different Way of Travelling, a global accessible travel podcast brought to you by Accessible South Africa. It's great to have you with us. I'm your host, Lois Strachan. Today on the podcast, we're chatting to Hilary Lane, who's travelled extensively across Africa and the rest of the world, and she chats to us about some of her experiences as a traveller with cerebral palsy. Then, On the Travel Tech Corner, we're going to be sharing a resource that is chock full of valuable information for travelers with mobility impairments. Before we get to the Travel Tech Corner, let's meet and chat to Hilary Lane. way of traveling podcast we're interviewing a lady who's been a friend of mine for a number of years and in fact we've even traveled together two years ago when we traveled to the Afrinit conference which took place in Ghana in West Africa I've been trying to get Hillary Lane on the podcast for a number of months but she always seems to be traveling Hillary welcome to the podcast it's great to finally have a chance to interview you thank you very much yes it's awesome. I'm here <laughs> So, Hilary, maybe you can start by just introducing yourself to our listeners and telling us a little bit of your story. I have um, cerebral palsy, um, which is pretty mild. I make my speech a bit, my balance a little bit, and my hand control. So I am fully independent and pretty much a go-getter. I'm, I've never let anything stop me. And as far as my travel to go, yes, I love traveling. And um, in the last two months, I've been to the UK, the USA, and Denmark. And that's just the last two months. So more generally, can you tell us a little bit about the travels that you've done, kind of where you have been? And yeah, I think that's a good, great starting point. Yes, well, um, I suppose my whole life I've travelled, and, and mo- well, all of it has been flying, and um, I enjoy driving, and my husband and I drive mm-hmm. a lot through South Africa, but that's another story. So, yes, I, I've been to the UK often, um I lived there for 12 years, had my children, brought my husband and children back to live in South Africa. Children are grown up and they both live in London now. My daughter married a, a, a man from New Zealand, so I've been to New Zealand twice. 
which was interesting because I always thought that if you went to New Zealand, you'd fall off the end of the world. <laughs> but that's an interesting journey. You either go via Singapore or, or one of those, those countries, that's a long, long flight. Um, I've been to the States twice, once to New York, uh, to, and this last visit I went to Seattle. Um, I've also flown to different places in, in Europe. I've been to Malta, gosh, lots of Italy, lots of places. And, and then as, um, Lewis said at the beginning, we went to Ghana. I've been to Kenya, been to Malta, I've been to Malawi, I've been to Zambia. Um, yes, so I think I've been to a lot of places. Truly a well-traveled lady. So when it comes to travel, do you find that there are challenges that you need to overcome as a result of your cerebral palsy? Yes, in in the sense, particularly um, after a long flight, having to get out of the plane and to walk and queue and things like that. So for in the last number of years, I've drawn a line there, and I always request wheelchair assistance. So even if I'm flying just to Joburg on business, I will request a wheelchair. And one of the reasons for that is... Um, Although I can walk, as I say, if I've been sitting and then I have to walk, like, for example, when I go to Johannesburg, suddenly you're in a, um, you know, the altitude is, is different. And if you rush out of the plane, you're certainly short of breath. So um, if, if I book online or someone books for me, whichever way the booking done for the flight, the request be, will be for a wheelchair. It's a bit embarrassing. Well, not so much embarrassing now, but they do say I'm a pensioner. I don't think of myself as a pensioner. So they say um, the request is put in the form of request to the the aeroplane door, but can move within the the um the cabin. Um, sometimes if I'm flying to Joburg or Durban or within South Africa, I don't even request that when I book, because I find that when I book in, um, because I don't need a PAU um within the airport and I can walk on the plane, I. I find that it's very easy to just ask when I'm booking in for wheelchair assistance. And for the most part, I have been um, accommodated. There was one occasion when I was told I would have to pay. And I just, I can't remember the, the flight. It was a new one. I don't think they're there anymore or... I'm not sure. Anyway, I was told I'd have to pay 150 rand, to which I completely lost the plot and said that that was ridiculous and that it was the airport company and it wasn't the airlines. 
that had to pay for that. I, I don't know, maybe the airline do pay the airport company. I really don't know, and it's, it's an interesting question. But in that situation, they did accede and give me a wheelchair. Um, in uh, about 10 years ago, I was involved with a company called um, Cape Able with, with um, um, Russell Bomer, and we did a lot of training. And in fact, I think we did Cape Town and Port Elizabeth to train um, the assistants. But they change so quickly, and I don't know what to, who does the training now. But sometimes it it it's they they don't know what they're doing, and they treat you like a piece of meat. Other times they're very friendly. So it, 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 it's a bit of a give and take. However, I must just rec- recall the, the, um, the situation I had in this last time. So when we arrived in London, it now seems that Heathrow have more people needing assistance than they have people to assist or wheelchairs. So, Another reason for going um asking for wheelchair assistance, particularly overseas, is that you don't have to queue to get through passport controls. And for me, although walking is easy, standing in a queue is causes a lot of pain in my back. So it means that you get through security very quickly. However, in um, London, when I arrived a couple of months ago, the the person assisting, obviously it was his first day, and obviously he didn't know what was going on, because we were literally taken from the aeroplane in a wheelchair, dumped somewhere, told to get out of the wheelchair, and just left. And, And we had no idea what was happening. We were then picked up in a golf buggy, you know, and taken somewhere else and left somewhere. And there was one person to take us all through customs. And um, I think there were only a few wheelchairs. And there must have been 40 people waiting to go through. So it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a very good situation. Um, leaving Heathrow that day, a couple of hours later, I didn't know where to go, what to do. Stopped someone, asked them, they looked official, and they were so helpful. They really were helpful. And um, so it's a bit of touch and go as to who you get into pushing the wheelchair. Sometimes they can be friendly, other times they treat you like a piece of meat, and it, it, it gets a bit annoying. Um, the best experience I had in my local travels was when I left Seattle. So my friend took me to the to the airport. You don't get she parks right in the door, and there are people sitting at the airline desks on the pavement with wheelchairs, and they come and get you from the car. And they take you right through everything. So basically, you don't set foot at all in the airport. Nothing. Well, if you need to go to the bathroom. But other than that, they take your luggage, they book you in. 
They, you know, they explain to you, right, you can sit here, we'll be back in 20 minutes, or whatever, whatever. So, um, and, and, and also coming back from London to South Africa, my husband wasn't very well, and I just said, look, he needs assistance as well. And they were very happy to give assistance. Um, so, as far as the kind of travel part of, of my travels, you've just got to be able to state your need and, and, um, I find people are accommodating. They really are accommodating. One of the biggest challenges I find as a, as a visually impaired traveler is that the process that seems to change every time I go. Do you find the same thing when you travel? Um, not really. I, I, it would it it would be good to say yes. It changes. <laughs> it, it, it gets better, but I think it really does depend on who you're dealing with, which airline, which airport. Everything is different, um, and and you've got to be pretty um, sure about what you need and and to be able to express that. I think that's very true. The the ability and the willingness to reach out and tell people what you're needing does really help because we are all different and the our needs differ. If we can change slightly the, the, the direction of the conversation, is there anything that you do in your planning of your travels or anything like that, um, any particular apps that you use, any technology you use, to make traveling easier for you, or any just simple processes that you put in place ahead of your travels to help make things easier for you? Not really, because I think wherever I go, I'm going to people, or people are expecting me, and they've done the organization. I mean, um, you know, going to England, I've got my family. I went to Seattle, I was collected by friends and colleagues um, and, and and going to Denmark they also people were at the air so I don't I'm never in a situation where I, I go as a tourist so to speak so, um, so most of your organisation is really just in communication ahead of time to make certain that everyone has the right information and that everything's in place that's right that's right I you, you know, I don't, I can, I, I don't need anything special. I don't need a, a, a room that is accessible because I'm not in a wheelchair. So I think, I think when my travel, as far as my travels go, and I do travel often, often, well, most of the time on my own. I think I've just got used to being able to communicate. Um, uh, I arrived in Copenhagen and they were in the wheelchair to, um, they hadn't ordered a wheelchair for me and I had to wait 20 minutes. So that reminds me yet again that when I'm on the flight, I need to say to the steward, by the way, um, I am traveling, I do need a wheelchair. So I think little things like that, you've got to double check. 
um, so that I didn't have to wait 20 minutes and for them to come and collect me. But even though I waited 20 minutes, I still got out of the airport before many of the passengers. <laughs> That's so yeah. true. So you've shared a few kind of your, the experiences you've had when traveling. What's your favorite place that you've traveled to and, and some of your favorite travel stories? Oh, um, I think each trip that I made, I mean, going to Malta, I was going to my son's wedding and everything was laid on for us. Um, you know, whether it's the actual journey, I think the, the trip from London to Seattle was spectacular. I had a window seat and I flew over Greenland and all the fjords and all the um, glaciers and, and down Canada and all the forests. And, and I, I must say, I don't, I, I, prefer to sit at a window seat. I like to see where I'm going. <laughs> um, you know, when we came back from Malawi, we flew over the Rift Valley, and um, that was spectacular. Well, what a God, I can't remember. Anyway, um, just to be able to look out and see. But I think a couple of years ago, my husband and I were coming back from London, and um, we came by uh, um, Dubai, and it was at sunrise on the day of the end of Eid, and everyone was out praying, you know, and you could, we flew over Dubai, you could see all the men outside the mosques, because obviously the mosques were full, and to actually see um, all the men praying, that, that was a sight that really, you couldn't have planned that, it, it was spectacular. And then many years ago, I, I was coming back from Johannesburg, and um, it was the start of the Cape Tiberi Yacht Race, and we were able to fly over Table Bay and to see all the the yachts leaving, and, and that really was a spectacular sight. It's amazing. Some of those, the most special experiences are a, they're an accident, in a sense, yeah. of time and place. That's right, that's right. And I think also um, one, sometime I was flying either to Joburg or back to Cape Town, I'm not sure, and I sat next to David Cromer, and, <laughs> and that, that was quite special as well. For those of our international listeners, David Cromer is one of our South African great um, entertainers and musicians. Yeah. Hilary, what advice would you have for a service provider in the tourism or hospitality industry about how to make their products or their services or their venues more accessible to those of us with disabilities? You know, one of the difficult things is that not two disabilities are the same. What you need and what I need and what someone else needs in a wheelchair are completely different. But um, I think it's important that people do know that we have needs. And rather than deciding what our needs are, we ask us. I mean, for example, one of the things that I really have a problem with is holding a full cup of liquid. 
And um, I am confident enough to say to them when they're handing out drinks, please put it on the table, or to be able to say, whoever's sitting next to me, whether I know them or not, could you hand it to me? And, you know, people are very obliging. If you ask people nicely, they will help. But if if you don't ask, they assume assuming is is dangerous because the liquid will get spilled if there's no direct um, advice or question. So uh, my advice to anyone, whether you're the, the traveller or the service provider, is ask questions. What do you need? How can we assist you? And not assume. I mean, you, you know, people assume that I don't need a wheelchair. And I have to be very clear and say, I do need a wheelchair so that I don't fall or that after a long flight and I'm sitting, I'm a lot stiffer. I need to let people know that because people assume far too much. And, and I think that applies to anyone with a disability. You've got to say what you need. You've got to, and it's not whining, complaining, oh, why, why don't you provide it? Why do I need to talk? Until we can share what we need, society is not going to give us what we need. Or what they give us is not what we need because they don't know what we need. Just going back to the point there about people assuming that you don't need a wheelchair, I have the opposite experience, that people assume that because I'm blind, I do need a wheelchair. So maybe I'm getting your wheelchair. (laughs) So Hilary, if people would like to contact you to kind of chat to you about your experiences as a traveler, to find out more about your story or, or to get advice from you, how can they contact you? My email is Hillary Lane. Hillary has got two L's, H-I-L-L-A-R-Y-L-A-N-E at Outlook.com. And I would be very happy to discuss and talk further if you would like. Thank you. Thanks so much. So for our final question, I always tend to ask people, what advice would you have For someone with cerebral palsy who's wanting to travel but is nervous about doing so because they're concerned about what they might experience or just haven't had the experience of doing so before, what advice would you have for them about why they should travel? I think the reason why you should travel is it really does broaden your horizon. It, 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 you, You know... Seeing things in on the television or radio, they're not the same as experiencing it. And be very clear in your own mind why you're traveling, where you're going, how you're going, and so forth. Because um, you don't you don't want to have an experience of traveling that is a bad experience. And I think. You know, it it really does depend on your disability, whether you're going to go with someone who's going to assist you. Fantastic. Make sure they know that you're in charge. (laughs) That's such a good advice as well. And 
any final words on how people should prepare to travel? Um, there are a lot of things on the internet that you can find that people will tell you what clothes to take and so forth. I also end up taking far too many clothes. <laughs> we all do. do. <laughs> and then I, I think layers are important. And um, it, it doesn't matter how you discipline yourself, make sure your case when you go is able to be filled up with the things that you buy overseas. <laughs> Some excellent words of advice. Today on A Different Way of Traveling podcast, we've been interviewing Hilary Lane. Hilary, thank you so much for sharing your insights and experiences as a traveler. It's been really fantastic to have you with us. Thank you so very much for having me, and I hope that what I've shared will assist someone else. I'm sure it will. It was really great having the opportunity to chat to Hilary Lane about some of her travel experiences. Since I conducted that interview, Hilary has had a back operation, and for all of us here at A Different Way of Traveling, we wish her a speedy recovery so that she is soon back up on her feet and back up in the air. Now it's time for the Travel Tech Corner. This is a segment where we try to share a resource or some information about a device that can be useful to travelers with disabilities. Today, I'm going to be sharing a website, a travelogue, that I found is a fascinating resource, crammed full of information for travelers with mobility impairments. The, the website is spintheglobe.net. Sylvia Longmire, who writes the, the, the website, is a woman who travels mostly on her own using a power wheelchair. So far, she's traveled to 57 different countries and has even recently visited my hometown, Cape Town. I found the, the articles on Sylvia's website cover many countries' accessible, accessibility issues, and she also has a lot of general information to help travelers with disabilities as they navigate the often treacherous world of global travel. You can follow Sylvia by going to that website, spintheglobe.net, or you can follow her on Twitter at spin underscore the globe. And I really think that it's a great resource for travelers, so I encourage you to take a look and learn from Sylvia's valuable experience. This is a reminder that if you'd like to contact Accessible South Africa or find out more about the work that we do, you can always find our contact details at the end of the podcast in the credits. I've also been asked to share some of the ways that you can find out a little bit more about me in my personal capacity. More information about me can be found on my website, loisstrachen.com, and you can find my Beyond Sight blog there, information about my books and my speaking. Today's travel quote combines two of my greatest loves, reading and travel. The world is a book, and those who do not travel read only one page. And those fantastic words were said by St. Augustine, the 4th century Christian theologian and philosopher. 
He was born originally in the ancient country of Numidia, which is now known as Algeria. It's been great having you with us. Thanks so much for listening, and we look forward to seeing you on our next episode. That's it from us for this time. You can find Accessible South Africa on the web at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za, on Facebook and Instagram at Accessible South Africa, and on Twitter at Accessible SA. You can also email us at podcast at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za. Editing by Craig Strachan using Hinderberg software. Our theme music is by Lu Chil Chow, based on a motif by Lois Strachan. Credits read by Musa E. Zulu. Thank you for joining us on a different way of traveling. We'll see you next time. Until then, happy travels.